Hello, this is Pastor Matthew. I just want to take a moment personally to say thank you so much for taking time to listen to this podcast. Our mission is to impact the valley and bless the nations with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We encourage you to go check out our website at crosslinkva.com. By doing so, you can learn all about the ministries of Crosslink and how we're involved in the community. Please know we're praying for you. God bless you. This morning, God has directed me to preach on a theme that I think is really super relevant to the age in which we live. It is a study of Bible prophecy in light of current events, and I've entitled this particular sermon today, How Do We Know For Sure That We're Living In The Last Days? How do we know for sure that Jesus is coming soon? After all, we've been through 20 centuries plus of the history of the Christian church. And as far back as the very first century, they were looking for the return of Jesus. And every century thereafter, down through history, Those that believe in the promises of the Word of God have been looking for the coming of Christ. And you might ask, why do we have the right then, in light of the fact that 20 centuries have gone by and he still has not come back, why do we think that his coming might be soon? Well, by the grace of God this morning, I want to answer that question and share with you some things out of the Word of God that hopefully will convince you or at least help you to see that what is going on in our world right now has tremendous relevance to prophecy and especially the teaching that Jesus is coming back soon. I truly believe Christ's coming is sooner than we think. And my hope is is in that tremendous promise. Now, those that don't go by the Bible, that don't have any understanding of prophecy whatsoever, will probably doubt and deny the truth of Christ's coming. I want to begin with a verse in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 3, which says this. Listen to this. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lusts, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. 2 Peter 3.3. In other words, in the last days, people will not believe in Jesus, they will not believe in him as Savior, and they will not believe then that he's coming back. And that explains why many people live the way they do. They just don't believe in Christ. And they certainly mock the doctrine that we hold so dearly that Christ is literally coming back a second time in the second coming. So today, I'm going to give you all, hopefully all of you know the Lord as your personal Savior, you're a child of God, 
And I want to encourage your hearts today with the truth that this is something we truly can believe. And the more time goes on and the more we witness what's happening in our current culture, the more we see what's going on in our world, the more convinced we can be than ever before that truly Christ is coming soon. I want to give you today five good reasons to believe that we are truly living in the last days and that Christ is coming soon. Five good reasons. Are you ready for this? I hope you're taking notes. So here we go. Number one, the regathering of the nation of Israel. The regathering of the nation of Israel. Now, this is especially significant to me because the modern state of Israel was born in May of 1948, and I was born the next month, June of 1948. So it has literally, I mean literally, been in my lifetime that one of the most significant events of all of Bible prophecy has come to pass. And you need to understand this morning how significant that is. Don't take the fact that Israel is a nation for granted and, and just fail to see the significance of her very existence. This is a major doctrine of Bible prophecy. The Old Testament in many places says that in the last days, God is going to bring back to Palestine from all over the world, from the east, the west, the north, the south, Jewish people back to their homeland again. That is a major Bible prophecy. It is found in Amos 9.14, Ezekiel 28.25, Zechariah 10.9, Jeremiah 24.6, Zephaniah 3.20. But the one I want to read for you this morning is going to be the one in, in Isaiah 43. Listen to these words. O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I am with you. I will bring you from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, keep not back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. That is a Bible prophecy, listen carefully, in the book of Isaiah that we have witnessed being fulfilled in our lifetime. And that is so very important. After 2,000 years of dispersion, of Jewish people not having their own nation, there, there was, before 1948, there was no nation of Israel. And after 2,000 years of dispersion, a major miracle has occurred, the rebirth of Israel. All other prophecy is actually dependent on this fact. All prophecy is built on this one central fact of history. For instance, let me give you one example. 
In Revelation 19, it says that when Jesus comes back in the second coming, riding on a white horse and the armies of heaven will follow him, he's going to come back to Israel at a place called the Valley of Megiddo, or the plains of Jezreel, the Valley of Megiddo, because the Antichrist who is a world leader at that particular time in history, will have all the armies of the world will gather, listen, they'll all gather around tiny Israel ready to crush and destroy the nation of Israel. And at that precise moment, The heavens will open and Christ will come back. Why? To deliver his people, Israel. He will come and defend Israel. Now, I ask you, how in the world can Jesus come back again to save Israel if there is no Israel? See, we... We just take this thing so much for granted, we don't even get it. We don't even see the significance that there is a nation of Israel that God someday is going to defend with a mighty deliverance at his second coming. So I'm telling you that it has only been in our lifetime that a major significant piece of the puzzle of Bible prophecy has come to pass. And that is pretty phenomenal. Number two, second reason why I believe Christ is coming soon is the rapid increase in technology. We've all seen that. I mean... You buy a computer today, and within a year, it's already outdated. It is the tremendous increase in technology. Those of you that are into information technology, like our one son-in-law is, can really vouch for the fact this is a phenomenal thing we're witnessing. Do you know that there's a Bible prophecy back in Daniel chapter 12, verse 4, that says this? Listen carefully. But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book, even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. Two signs of the end times. Are you ready for this? Many will run to and fro. What does that mean? High-speed transportation. Now, keep in mind that when God gave this prophecy to Daniel, God couldn't say automobiles. He wouldn't have known what in the world those things were. He couldn't say jet airplanes. So how does God use terminology to describe what the world will look like in the last days? Many will run to and fro. That's God's way of saying High-speed transportation. But the second one is even more significant. Knowledge shall be increased. Do you realize we live in this information age and the computers today, the technology is fantastic. If you need help with anything, you can 
Google it. <laughs> you can, my wife and I, we've had problems with our dishwasher recently. And so we got on the internet and I did a little research and I even watched a video, how to fix the thing that was wrong with our dishwasher. And I ordered the part and I'm going to try to do a self-repair. Please pray for us. Pray that it's successful or I'm in trouble with my wife. <laughs> so, yeah, so you can learn anything. You just get on the internet, you watch a little video, and it's amazing, isn't it? Back in the days when I was in Bible college, I would have to go to the seminary library and check out all of the good books out of the library to do a research paper on theology or whatever the, the subject matter was. And, but, you know, today, pastors, most of them don't even have a literal library of books. Because what? You know what? You can just look it up on the internet. You can do all of your research on the internet. People don't need professional libraries anymore. It's amazing. We live in the information age. And so that prophecy in Daniel 12, 4 is pretty significant, isn't it? In the last days, many will run to and fro on the earth, and knowledge shall be increased. High-speed transportation, high-speed telecommunication. High-speed telecommunication. You say, okay, I understand that. I, I agree that we live in that age. But what in the world relevance does that have to the coming of Jesus? Oh, I'm glad you asked that. Take your Bible, if you have one, and open up to the book of Revelation. And I'm going to show, show you this morning three specific statements in the book of Revelation, listen, that only make sense in the context of modern telecommunication. Television broadcasting. News channels that can instantly be on site anywhere around the world and give live broadcasts. So what? Everybody on planet Earth can see what's going on in one place in the world. Let's start with, I'm going to give you three examples. Let's start with Revelation 1-7. First chapter of Revelation and verse 7. Behold, he comes with clouds and every eye shall see him. Now take your pen and underline that. When Christ comes, by the way, this is not the rapture. Nobody's going to see that. This is his glorious second coming when he comes in power and glory. Every, the Bible says every eye will see him and they also who pierced him, that's the Jewish people, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him, even so, amen. All the world will witness this. Now, if I was a preacher back in the late 1800s, and they had great prophetic conferences, by the way, in those days. Uh, some of those great evangelists preached on Bible prophecy. And the thing that amazes me so much is that 
that we live in an age where there's not a lot of emphasis. I mean, back even when I was a young pastor, that was a long time ago, <laughs> you know, you had books like Hal Lindsey, The Late Great Planet Earth. You had movies about the rapture. You had a lot of emphasis on prophecy. Every preacher was talking about Bible prophecy. And the amazing thing, which I don't understand, is there's very little emphasis on prophecy today, but we have so much more that's happening in our world that's so relevant and so applicable to the prophecies of Scripture. That, that's something I fail to understand. And here's one of them. When Jesus comes back, they will actually broadcast every eye, every man, woman, and child on earth is going to witness this event. That's only possible with the advent of telecommunication. Let me give you another one. Go with me to Revelation 11. This is the scene where two prophets are raised up by God. They're two preachers. And they are preaching in the streets of Jerusalem during the tribulation period. And as you know, anybody who preaches the truth about Jesus is not popular and is not well-liked. And the Antichrist, this world ruler, is going to make several attempts to kill these two prophets. Talk about animosity toward the gospel. Talk about hatred toward Christians. This Antichrist is going to try to kill these guys. He's going to try to shut them up. Finally, when their ministry is done, God allows these two prophets to be killed. And I pick up our reading in Revelation 11. Follow with me in verse 9. It says, Oh, but let me back up to verse 8. Their dead bodies will lie in the streets of the great city where our Lord was crucified, that's Jerusalem. And they of the peoples and kindreds and tongues and nations, here it is again, underline it, shall what? See their dead bodies three days and a half and not permit their dead bodies to be put in graves. And they that dwell on the earth will rejoice over them and make merry and send gifts to one another because, because these two prophets tormented them that dwelt on the earth. Imagine that. The people all around the world will turn on their television set and they're going to see these two preachers these two guys that were such a nuisance because they preached the truth about Jesus Christ, these two finally are killed. And they are so disrespected and hated that they don't even get a decent burial. They let their bodies lie in the streets for three and a half days there in Jerusalem. And did you notice that the Bible specifically says people are going to watch that? It's amazing. Then they throw a big party. It's kind of like Christmas time in the world. Everybody sends gifts back and forth. They're so happy that these two preachers these two evangelicals that preached Jesus and preached repentance, 
They're, they're dead now, and the world is rejoicing and throwing a huge party. But if you read on in the text, do you know the next thing that they see? They actually will see on their TV screens all around the world how God resurrects these guys right back from the dead. Now I want to tell you, I think that's going to be one of the great... Say, the party will be over. Well, that's going to put a damper on that party, can I say. And all of their vicious, violent hatred toward these Christians, all of a sudden, God's going to vindicate them as his select true preachers of righteousness. And God's going to demonstrate to the whole unbelieving world, these are my prophets. They belong to me. Yeah, that'll be the end of that party for sure. And then there's a third illustration of telecommunication in light of prophecy. Go to chapter 13, which describes the rise to power of what we call the Antichrist. Scripture calls him the beast. We refer to him as Antichrist. And here's an amazing statement in Revelation 13.3. I saw one of his heads as though it were wounded to death and his deadly wound was healed and the world wondered after the beast. You know, I've often thought, how could one man possibly gain control of the whole world? You ever ask that? How can this Antichrist, how can people fall for this? How in the world can people, intelligent people, all around the world, fall for the lie of the Antichrist? And then, you know what the Bible helps us understand. This guy has a deadly wound that's healed. I, there are several possible explanations of that, which I won't get into right now. But somehow, people are going to see that this man is miraculously healed. And that's going to convince people to follow him. And that's all going to be televised. So what I might say, number one, we know Christ is coming back because of the rebirth or regathering of Israel. Secondly, because of the rapid increase in technology. Number three, Number three, the reality of a collapsing global economy. Here's one thing we've learned in the modern pandemic, COVID pandemic. Here's one thing we've learned, how fast the world economy can go downhill. Boy, have we seen that, haven't we? I mean, starting in March, all of you that had 401ks and, you know, you know investment accounts, whoa, my You see, we live in a global economy, so whatever happens anywhere in the world, back about 10 years ago, Greece went bankrupt, and it affected our stock market. I told my wife, why are we suffering because the people of Greece can't manage their government? Well, the answer is we live in a global economy, so whatever happens anywhere affects the whole world. And the Bible teaches us 
the reality of a, a coming global crisis economically. As a matter of fact, there's three things we can learn from the COVID virus. This isn't in your, the outline, but let me give this to you a little bit of extra. Three things I can take away from the COVID-19 uh, pandemic. Number one, how fast a plague can spread throughout the world. Boy, wow. Have we seen that? How fast a plague can spread through the whole world. Does that have significance to prophecy or what? There's passages in Revelation that talk about the fact that there's going to be a plague that's going to be so severe that one-third of the world's population will be killed. So what have we learned? What have we witnessed in the last six months? I'll tell you what we've witnessed, how fast a plague can spread through the whole world. Number two, how fast the economy can go down the drain. I just talked about that. And number three, and this is the most scary of all. This one frightens me more than any of them. How fast the government can step in in a time of crisis and, ga and gain total power and tell us everything that we can and cannot do. You have to understand how that sets the stage for the Antichrist in the end times. You've got to draw the line here. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, all this mask wearing, and uh, that's vital. I'm not, I'm not arguing against that. I'm just illustrating that in any time of national crisis, the government kind of comes in. We don't have any liberties anymore. We don't have any say-so in it. They just tell us. And that is exactly what's going to happen during the tribulation. And so, the, the re reality of a collapsing global economy. In Revelation 18, if you want to write this down, we have what's called the fall of Babylon, which pictures how all of the merchants of the earth, all that trade by sea, all that gain their wealth through trade and economic prosperity. You know, it talks about all those that own ships and trade by sea and how the whole thing's going to come crashing down. We can see in that passage the fact that it's going to crash, the fast nature of the crash. Matter of fact, if you want a separate Bible study this afternoon, read Revelation 18 and underline the three times this phrase is used. You ready for this? For in one hour, so great riches has come to nothing. In one hour, so great riches has come to nothing. So the fact of it, the fast nature of it, and then the fear that it'll produce. Weeping and wailing and people just, 
I mean, if people committed suicide with the Depression in 1929, I can't imagine what people are going to do when this event takes place, which I believe is toward the end of the Tribulation. Can't imagine. You say, this is very depressing. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. But let me tell you something. Here's something we can encourage our hearts. Our faith and our trust is not in the things that we own or the size of our bank account or what possessions we have. Our hope and trust is in the Lord. We don't put our trust in earthly things. What did Jesus say in Matthew chapter 6? Lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and thieves break through for, and steal, but lay up for yourselves, listen, treasures in heaven. Treasures in heaven. So how should we then live as Christians in light of all these prophecies? Well, I'll tell you how we should live. We should live for things of eternal value. We should live for things that will matter a thousand years from now. I liked what, uh, there was a statement made by the former pastor of this church, John Wellborn, when Nancy and I first started attending here. And he made a statement that I'll never forget. He says, I don't think you've ever seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul trailer. And I thought about that, and I, I thought, that is fantastic. You see, when you die, you can't take any of this stuff with you. The day you die, everything you have is gone. It's just gone. We need to live for Christ. We need to focus on living for Christ. Not for ourselves. Amen? Live for Christ. Number four, and I need to move quick. Number four, the rejection of Christian values. Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 24, 9, that someday they would be hated, speaking of the end times, you will be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Boy, are we starting to feel the reality as Christians of that. Do you ever feel like as a Christian, you know, you're all alone and the whole world has gone the other direction and the values you hold and the things that are important to you and, and all of your belief system and everything that's that's you know, your, your Christian values is under attack and the whole world is going this direction and you're, you're going cross currents with the culture. You ever feel like that? Well, how true that is. The rejection of Christian values today is alive and well. The attempt to turn our country into a secular state the elimination of all things sacred and removal of God from our institutions. I mean, it's getting so bad that you can't even say Merry Christmas anymore. That's bad, folks. 
the resentment towards the saints of God, those of us that are his children, and ridicule of their beliefs. I mean, we, we are. We're ridiculed today. If you stand for Jesus today, I want to tell you, it'll cost you po- your popularity. You can't stand for Jesus in today's world and be popular. I'm just going to say it flat out. And if you don't believe that, you just log on and watch the upcoming Supreme Court nomination. If you don't think that there is absolute resentment toward Christian values today, then you're mistaken and blind. The rejection of Christian values. And number five, I want to finish with this, the rise in violence. Boy, is this pertinent. This is so pertinent. 2 Timothy 3.1 says this, This know also that in the last days perilous times will come. That word perilous means dangerous. I believe it's a reference to, to just a total rise in violence. And I think... You know, it's, and it's not just what we used to think, the radical Islamic terrorism and the, the way they would murder innocent people. You know, just the wholesale uh, killing of people in the name of, of terrorism. I mean, we, we have seen it. And do you realize that has pretty much only been in our lifetime again that's a fulfillment of 2 Timothy 3.1. But now, even in the streets of our American cities, there's an increase in violence, and that's really getting scary. This rise in violence. I want to tell you, folks, it is frightening, but can I just say that? It is a fulfillment. It's exactly what the Bible says is going to happen before the return of Jesus. Can I give you a scripture verse? It says, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, verse 37, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the coming, listen carefully, of the Son of Man. So all we have to do, this is actually simple, all we have to do is ask ourselves, Okay, what was the world like in the time of Noah? If Jesus said, look, just the way the world was in Noah's day, that's what the world's going to be like when I come again. Okay? So what was it like in the days of Noah? Three things. Number one, three reasons God destroyed the world with a worldwide flood. Number one, the total breakdown of marriage. The breakdown of the institution of marriage. That's why God destroyed planet Earth with a worldwide flood. You can it's, it's, read Genesis 6, 1 and 2. Number two, the breakdown in morals. Verse 5 of Genesis 6 says this. Every imagination of the thoughts and intents of his heart was only evil continually. In other words... They, they just all, their minds were filled with evil, 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 all the time. <laughs> they turned 
stuff that's good into evil. Total breakdown of not just marriage, but morals. And thirdly, the rise in murders. In verse 9 of Genesis 6, it says, violence, listen, the whole world was corrupt and violence filled the earth. Did you hear that? Violence filled the earth. Now, don't miss this connection. Jesus says, just as it was then, that's what's going to be like when I come back. Violence filled the earth. Well, you say, this leaves me totally depressed. I must say, <laughs> I must say that when you look at what's going on in the world, it's easy to become discouraged. Amen? I told my wife, I can hardly watch the news anymore. I get so upset, I feel like I ought to throw stuff at the television. I just am so upset. I mean, I really... You say, well, that's not, you're not being very sanctified there. I want to tell you, it is discouraging and depressing to see what's going on in our world. Let's face it, amen? I mean, this world is a mess. It's a mess. But I want to finish on a positive note. For all of you that know the Lord and love the Lord and have accepted Jesus as your Savior, can I just say, our hope and our trust is not in this world or it's not in politics. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. And can I just say this? I want to close on this note. I can't wait till Jesus comes back to this earth and sets up his kingdom as king of kings and lord of lords and Christ will be in control of this world. I tell you what. I can't wait till Jesus straightens out this mess. And I'll tell you, the solution to our problems today is not more money and it's not... Uh, more liberal education of our kids. I want to tell you the solution to our problems today, the answer is Jesus Christ. He is the answer. And everything that we find so depressing and so discouraging and so demoralizing that we see going on in the world, I have to remind myself, Jesus is coming soon. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Oh, I can't wait. Dear friends, we, we just need to wait for his coming. Now, if you're here today and you don't know Christ as Savior, I suspect that the idea that Jesus is coming back doesn't sit well with you. If you don't know him as your Savior... The one who loved you so much that he died for you. Think of this now. He loved you so much he died for you on the cross to forgive your sins. But if you haven't accepted him, when he comes back, you've got to face him face to face. That's got to be scary. 
to know that, you know, the Jesus that you have not entrusted as your Lord and Savior, you're going to have to face him. And dear friend today, if you don't know the Lord, I, I want to tell you, I, I just beg with you, trust him today as your Savior. Accept him right now, today, as your personal Lord and Savior. So that when he does come back, you're one of his children. You belong to him. May God speak to all of our hearts today. Help us take a good look at our lives and ask ourselves this question. Are we ready for the return of Jesus Christ? Let's bow together in prayer. Heavenly Father, speak to hearts now in this closing moment. With heads bowed and eyes closed, let me just ask across this audience and those of you that are watching on the closed circuit in the overflow room, or maybe you're doing live streaming, I want to ask you, do you know Jesus as your Savior? This whole message has been why we believe Christ is coming back soon, why the time is short. And I want to just say, if you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior, won't you do it today? Won't you pray a prayer that goes something like this, Dear Lord, I'm not sure if I am saved. I'm not sure if I'm a child of yours. I'm not sure I have a personal relationship with you. I'm not ready for you to come. So Jesus, today, I open up my heart to you. I ask you to forgive my sins. I ask you to come into my life and be my savior. I want to belong to you from this day forward. And if you prayed that prayer and meant it with all your heart today, would you just uh, raise your hand across this audience and just let us know that you prayed that I won't embarrass you. Thank you. Over here, several. Any others? Here's my hand. Thank you. Others? Anyone else? I prayed that prayer to receive Jesus as Savior. Now, Lord, I just ask that you would uh, help these folks to get some good counsel after this service is over, someone to pray with them, someone that can rejoice in the good news that they've opened up their heart to Christ today. And for all of us, the rest of us that already belong to you, help us to live like we really belong to you. Help us to live in light of your coming every moment. It'll change the way we think. It'll change the way we live. It'll change our values. Help us to live every moment in light of your soon return. And we'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for taking time to listen to this podcast. We encourage you to come and join us right here on our campus. We're located right next to the county fairgrounds here in Harrisonburg, Virginia. 
you have any questions about the church, any question about the message, feel free to email us or call us and let us know. And we look forward to seeing you soon. God bless you.